0: MPH Sports Podcast. Talk sport and property with sports people discussing their careers and how property played a part in it. Holly Lancashire, welcome to Talk Sport and Property. Good to see you again, mate. How are you? Well, goodly. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it, mate. Looking forward Thank to you. it. Thank you. Well, I want to just start this pod by congratulating you on your new role at Southampton Football Club. How's it all going?
1: Yeah, it's good. Um, you know, obviously, it's quite a new role for me and a new role for the football club in general. So, um, I've been down there for sort of two months now, playing for the B team, slash coaching, slash mentor. So, yeah, so I'm I'm here to help um, both the players and and also the coaches as well. And um, yeah, so far so
0: good. So, there's still minutes in that body of yours yet, mate? Is there?
1: That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm, I'm still training every day. Still, still playing matches. So. Um yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to still
0: get that buzz of a match there. Nice. Well, mate, honestly, when I saw you post it on LinkedIn, I was like, well, listen, this is a, I thought I always thought that sort of role would be ideal for you. B-team football seems to be very popular at the moment. Why, why is that? Uh, I think, obviously, the
1: 23 has been getting a lot of sort of press in the last few years. Um, obviously, there's quite a big gap between the 23s and first-team football. So mm-hmm. um, down here, we call ourselves the, the B-team. Um, And we basically mirror um, exactly what the first team do. So whether that's tactics, training, um, we literally have to do whatever whatever they do, um, mainly to prepare the lads for the jump up. And um, obviously the main aim is to get as many players from our team to, to play for
0: Southampton's first team. With looking at your career, the amount of appearances that you've had, and, and I guess a lot of the, um, and we're going to go through a lot of your career. I mean, I know you listen listened to the pub, we've we'll talked about your career, we've we'll talked about how props have played a part in that. But because of the sort of the clubs you played for and who you played for and where in the country, I think you're a fantastic role model for the boys around you, mate. I wish you every success in the, in your new job. So, um, yeah. are you ready? Shall we uh, Should we crack on? Yeah, let's go for it. Ollie, 32 years of age, born in Basingstoke, literally up the road. Um, An impressive 340 career appearances, eight goals. I want to take you back as a a young lad. Where was grassroots football for you, mate? And when did you explore your academy journey?
1: Yeah, so I would have started playing football at sort of four or five years old. Um, I've got a brother who's two years above me. I think I remember sort of playing with, with him and his team to begin with. Um, and then sort of started playing properly at sort of six years old for a couple of couple of years before getting scouted by Crystal Palace uh, when I was eight. And then I think it was in 1998 when the um, system changed, which meant that we had to leave our sort of Sunday league team. And then, yeah, so from then I was probably nine. Um, yeah, and then started playing properly for Palace. And yeah, I ended up being there for eight, about, uh, yeah, eight eight years till so I was 16.
0: Right. I've got a lad at QPR who's been there at the age of eight as well, since to yourself. They they do pick them up young, don't they? Um, I'm not too sure what sort of age. And I, when Jamie was approached by, by I think it was Chelsea, and nicked him at sort of five or six, and he had to start two weeks down at Cobham, and he loved it. Um, but then he got a certificate just to confirm, thank you for coming, but you know, we're not going to progress further. Um so what for about a year? But they, they do pick them up so young. Did you find that, Palace was one of many different clubs that were maybe approaching your parents or approaching your coach about Ollie's potential and ambition at such a ridiculously young age.
1: Yeah, I, I think then it was a little bit different. I, I think obviously when I was sort of seven, eight, nine, I didn't really understand really the whole scheme of things. Um, I just remember you know, doing well for my Sunday League team, scoring loads of goals. You know, definitely changed now, but you know, back then, back then <laughs> I was going to say you got this right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> back then i was a striker and um i mean my dad pulled me after one tournament and said you know, crystal palace wants to go down and train so yeah that's how it started and you know as, as soon as i went there on trial um i absolutely loved it to be honest so yeah and, and
0: but after, after crystal palace you joined your current employer southampton um and went on to captain the under-18s and signed professionally in 2006 i mean I mean that must have been a a dream come true you know local club close to home i mean i guess you felt the same way and your parents and your family must have been obviously buzzing and extremely proud
1: yeah it was kind of a strange one really because i've been at palace for that sort of long time and i sort of when you're up that age i sort of turned into a palace fan and then i actually got released from from crystal palace so it was quite a shock to the system um i think i got released sort of around March time, so I about two months left of the season to basically find a new club. Um got released on a Sunday and then on the Monday I was at Fulham training. And I think on the Tuesday I was down here at Southampton and then I went up to Leicester for, for a week. Um, so yeah, in the space of sort of four or five weeks I've gone from being released to being offered a scholarship here um, and then a scholarship with a, a two-year pro at, at um, Leicester. Um, so that was a, sort of my first big decision to make at 16 years old, whether to come down here or to go up, go up to Leicester. Wow. And at that time, Southampton was a really strong youth team. Loads of good players, got to the final of the youth cup um, and I decided to sort of risk it and, and come down here. Um, and yeah, it was definitely a decision that worked out right
0: in the end. So looking back as a Saints player, young pro, can you name some of the players that would have been at the club at the time that you were there?
1: Yeah, so we had a, Very, very fortunate. We had a really strong youth team. So same year as me was Gareth Bell, Theo Walcott. Year above me, uh, Adam Lallana, David McGoldrick, Nathan Dyer, uh, Lloyd James. Um, So yeah, we had about probably eight or nine of us went on to have professional careers, and then four or five of them went on to have really, really good careers. Um, So yeah, looking back, our youth team was an absolute joke. You know, we won the Premier League and stuff like that, and yeah, it was a really enjoyable couple of years um and to make it even better we all we all lived in the same house so there's about 18 of us in, in in one house and yeah it was absolutely carnage but looking back it was some of the
0: best years of my life i suppose i currently ask you those sort of questions that we can share <laughs> yeah, probably best not to <laughs> yeah. two two years later ollie um you made your debut uh, against qpr again nice local club to us this absolutely cracked me up so 29 minutes into your debut you get sent off <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. Now, what what you need to explain this to me, because um, I, I, I love a debut uh, conversation, as everyone knows. But um, firstly, be honest, was it a straight red?
1: Uh, I still think it was harsh. I, I, I still think it's probably yellow. Yes, yeah, so, and didn't make it better. It was live on Sky Sunday afternoon. So I wear a QPR and yeah, 28 minutes. I went in for a big tackle and slightly mistimed it. And uh, next thing you know, I'm getting sent off.
0: that's uh, brilliant
1: who was the player uh damien delaney the left back he sort of had a a big touch so i thought i could win it and yeah um, yeah basically yeah so it wasn't wasn't,
0: an ideal start to my professional career definitely not i'd like to know how old were you then Uh, 19 19 okay um talk me through what a 19 year old is thinking playing for southampton away at qpr um I mean, like, did your family come down? Were you, you know, would you have that sort of prematched nerves? What was the routine? Was I mean uh Chile's completely different setup as it was with the twenty-threes and the, the the academy setup?
1: Yeah, looking back, I was just completely fearless. We had some really good young players that have made that step up already. And obviously they're all really good friends of mine. So it just felt like a natural progression. Yeah. And, but obviously maybe a little bit too fearless and obviously the big big tackle came in. Um, Fortunately, looking back, there was no sort of social media, there was no Twitter, there was no real coverage. Obviously, it was on uh, Sky Sports, but um, I didn't really have anything to look at to sort of dwell on it, you know. And um, you know, all the management staff were great, uh, senior pros were great. So uh, we I
0: was going uh, to say that actually, because I suppose um, who was your manager at the time? Uh, we,
1: we had a Dutch guy called Jan Portfleet. Um, he was there for maybe six or seven
0: months. So um, we not one to remember who. No, but I guess what he's done is put a little bit of trust and faith in sort of, you know, a young, promising 19-year-old lad who appears to be as poor as a cucumber, has gone out and, all right, he's made a, a strong tackle, maybe a mistake, maybe not. And I guess he's accountable for that decision. So the best thing to do is, is put his arm around and say that it's, it's, it's OK. Who is the skipper? The
1: skipper would have been Kelvin Davis, who is um, um, obviously still at the football club now and someone that I'm still very close to, so... Yeah, to have him there it was, it was great and he look, looked after me um, looked after me a lot as, as we'll probably talk about later on but yeah like, like I said we had some really good senior pros there that were you know, really good with us
0: so naturally after a sending off you have your two game uh, suspension came back in the side again you've got that trust and faith from the club you come back you keep two consecutive clean sheets fantastic um, <laughs> you, you then get sent off again now I feel like I'm like interviewing Vinnie uh, Jones here mate so what, <laughs> what's, what's
1: going on the second one was a little bit different. Uh, like I said, I had a three-game suspension. Uh, came back in and I think we beat, beat Doncaster and then Watford maybe. And then we had Sheffield United away on a Tuesday night. Uh, Br- Bramaline was absolutely bouncing. And I, was, I was absolutely buzzing again. <laughs> and then it was nil-nil with about literally two minutes to go. I think it was James Beattie or one of their strikers broke through. And I've literally took one for the team, if you like. had to put him down last night and yeah off off I went obviously it wasn't ideal again but um that change room uh, they they were by then obviously be drew nil nil and they were saying that they're they're probably just saying it just to make me feel better but they were like well done Uh, you had had to do it sort of thing yeah but again to get two red cards in my first sort of five games it definitely wasn't the ideal start that (laughs) I
0: had you experienced um bookings or or sending off sort of coming through your academy because I was going to ask you you know maybe this isn't the the case but did you have like a discipline issue as a as a a young enthusiastic player
1: no probably the absolute opposite Um, really no I'm I'm a pretty pretty chilled out guy and I used to play chilled out so as a centre-half I was more the guy to sort of try and do Cruyff turns and you know not really get involved in the sort of big tackles yeah it's probably just because I'm so excited I reckon I'd, I'm not too sure
0: I think I think passion comes through and as you said you know you you're taking one for the team as well and um, if you're a passionate player but it sounds like you know for, from your point of view obviously you've got a composer in the back and and it and it a bit of an experience maybe on the first one and and, and as you say you've, you've you've learned from it and done what you've had to do for the for the next one um it's, it's quite funny though isn't it <laughs> <laughs> I want to look at some of the uh, experience you had during as an early pro, Ollie. Um, you, you had um, two loan moves to Grimsby during your, your term at Southampton. Did you find that those sort of moves away kind of helped your development as a, as a young professional?
1: Yeah, so at, at that time, I was sort of 20, 21. Um, Southampton had just been bought um, by Marcus Lieber, who wanted to take the club back to the Premier League, um, and they Uh, Alan Pardew was a manager who brought in the likes of Jose Fonts, Ray Jaidi, really experienced centre-halves and it was clear that a lot of us were going to be moving on uh, come the end end of that season Uh, and Pardew said to me, listen, go out and experience real League Two strikers and this was 15 years ago so the League Two strikers then were big, big lads and very, very physical and yeah, I Grimsby it wasn't the greatest team. I don't think they had won in like 18 games when I went there. Pretty clear to see why. But as obviously the centre-half, there's a lot of defending to do. Yeah, looking back, that definitely put me in the, in the sort of spotlight so different clubs could see me and um, yeah, that helped me that summer with the sort of options that I had once leaving Southampton.
0: Yeah. You had 13 appearances at Saints. You then... Signed for Walsall in July 2010 on a, on a two-year deal. Um, you went on to make 49 appearances, scoring the one goal. Did, was Walsall the club that you you wanted you wanted that move with or did you have some other options?
1: Yeah, so I had maybe about three or four options that summer. Two were in League 2 and two were in League 1. Um, Southampton were actually in League 1 as well. So I turned down you know, better financial deals in League 2 to go to Walsall because... At that time maybe i was naive and still had big dreams but i still felt that i could do well in in that league and yeah so it almost felt like a sort of sideways step not really a backwards step so yeah to play in league one at sort of 21 years old it was still still a good thing and um there were some really good teams in, in in league one at that time obviously Southampton, brighton post-sheffield teams um so yeah that was really good and really uh, loved my time at also June
0: 2012 you moved to League Two side, Aldershot, also two-year deal. Um, it, it seemed like you were hit with a bit of injury, restricting your playing time, like 12 games, um, before the club experiencing administration. Was that a tough tough time there?
1: Yeah, so obviously leaving Walsall, um, knowing that I'd have to go back, back to League Two, um, I said to my agent, I want to go home. Um, and I'm from you know, just outside Aldershot, so it was a perfect deal for me at that time. Um, unfortunately, I had a really strange injury based on my groins and my sort of pelvic reason. I just literally couldn't move at all. Ended up having operations, injections. We missed sort of October all the way to the last game of the season um, where the manager put me straight back in and literally had to win um, to stay up. Um, away at Rotherham, and they had to win to go up. So It was my first game in about eight months and I actually did all right, which looking back really helped me because Obviously, the club went into some really bad financial state mm-hmm. and um, everyone in contracts. Some of them contracts became sort of null and void. So we all basically got released um, and I'm there, sort of 24 years old, played one game in eight months and suddenly no no contracts
0: um, at all. So, yeah, it was just a very sticky time, I suppose, for a couple of weeks. Yeah, no, I can imagine, mate. But you did get a fresh start, Roxdale, June 2013, starting... First game, you've been chucked straight into the first team. Great first win, 3-0 against Hartlepool. What was that like? Because, um, you know, at Rochdale, you were given the captaincy, uh, trust. That must have felt like a real sort of weight lift on your shoulder. I guess, like, new, new area, new people, um, new beginning, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's it. And that's something I was actually just about to sign for, for Luton, um, who was obviously a bit more local to me. Yeah. Big club. But I decided last minute to go up to Rochdale because Luton was still in the conference and I wanted to stay in, in, in the football league. Um, and yeah, we had a great, great team at Rochdale, great manager. And yeah, we absolutely blitzed that lead to the first season. Um, it was great to be captain. And yeah, just a, a really good time. First time up in, living up there.
0: And yeah, just loved every minute of it, really. The, um, the captain's role is, um, I've always felt, is a is a fantastic honour and a privilege for any leader to, to take a group of players because the dressing room is so important, isn't it, to a to a to a football club? I, I know all the Wiccan boys really, really well. And when they got promoted, they they felt that whilst yes, there was talent there, but it was literally the, the unity, the bond of that group. And you know, when you've obviously got ca- characters there like obviously Bayer and stuff, but when you've got a leader like like Joe, um, who just leads that group, and there's other big characters, like what did what did you do? I mean, how did you feel like you was picked? Why was you appointed as a, as a skipper mate? Uh you probably have to
1: ask Keith Hill that. But looking back, Keith got some lads in, you know, similar background to me, sort of lads that have shown good promise at an early age, and then sort of gone off the ball for for what uh, whatever reason. So. We had a really good group, a really easy group to, to be captain of. And, and once we sort of start the season well, it was just just game by game. Where you could just feel something special happening. And, um, and yeah, obviously to get a promotion and then we
0: went out to Vegas as, to celebrate. It was a yeah, really good first season. After your second season at, at Rochdale, um, you rejected a new deal signing for Shrewsbury. Um, what was all that about? Uh, Yeah,
1: so I was there three years, obviously promotion and then two top ten finishes in League One and then my final year at Rochdale um, obviously you know what football's like my agent was telling me that maybe there's a few clubs interested there's some sort of bigger clubs in in, in League One um, that were whispered Um, so I decided to wait out to the end of the season and then then big clubs turned out to be our sort of second, third, fourth choice targets Um, and then Shrewsbury came in, which I wasn't too excited about, um, so I told me, you know, don't I just basically get them sort of their their best offer and see see how it goes. And they ended up, you know, giving me a decent offer. So um, then I was married, I had one one kid, um, and I thought, you know, it'd be sort of selfish to, to stay at Rochdale, and and yeah, so I went down to Shrewsbury. Yeah, and, and looking back, it was probably the wrong decision in, in, in the sort of football terms, definitely
0: you know you, maybe it was you know um but you know a year in you've terminated your contract um you agreed a, a new two-year deal with with swindon uh really impressive 55 appearances for the robins before making uh, a move back up north to, to crew how was your time at, at swindon and then why the why the move back up north
1: Yes, Swindon, uh, yeah, it was a very strange time, the club, as you can see in the last few months. um, There's a lot going on behind the scenes at at that club. Um, But the first year especially, I went in um, with David Flickhoff, the manager, who uh, made me captain again. Um, And yeah, we were sort of fighting against people straight away. So it was sort of us against them, um, which I actually quite liked at the time. Then Flickhoff moved on to Mansfield and sort of very March time when we were sort of I think we we're fifth or sixth in the league um, and then the season just completely dwindled out um, and then in the second year it was, it was a long season to be fair new manager and I didn't really play at all from sort of November time so yeah it was important for me at that time to move back up to Manchester
0: where my wife and kids were um, and then crew was you know, perfect perfect movement. I see so geographically that was the, the the main move because of your your family. All right. And obviously crew was when was when we met we met and we'll we'll talk about that later in the pod. Um mate, that's fantastic. Um overall, looking back on you on your career, you must be fairly satisfied with what you've achieved.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think you always want more. That's that's always gonna be. But I've got no regrets. So um every decision that I made was down to me. I didn't sort of listen too much to outside noises where I got pressured into doing anything that I didn't want to do. So um, yeah no very very happy with that and yeah no yeah pretty pretty
0: pleased and i think all of those those decisions that you did make and all of those leadership skills that you've you've clearly demonstrated has now got you involved in a in a very very affluent role at um one of the best clubs in the country um you know you look at the academy set up you look at the infrastructure you look at what they're doing at the club it's it's absolutely first class so mate i think uh i think you're a perfect, perfect partnership and and I think that's the, the best way that we can, we can end that first half of the pod. But we're going to move on to some quick questions. You, uh, are you ready? I think so, mate. Ollie, what would you have done if you wasn't a
1: footballer? Well, finally, my granddad's in, involved in the sort of building trade and I've always been uh, really interested in that. So, um, yeah, it would have been something along those lines.
0: Yeah. Okay. okay. You played for eight clubs. Which one was your favourite? Uh, this one, obviously. <laughs> I
1: knew uh, it was coming. Yeah, this one and, and also my time at um, Rochdale, definitely. Who do you support? Uh, Arsenal. Oh, dear. Not, not great at the minute, but um,
0: we will be back one day. They come in. <laughs> well you play centre-back, so I have to ask, if you could partner up with any other centre-back in the world, who would it be? Uh, growing up, it would have been
1: definitely john terry fortunate to play for england on the nineteen level and um, we actually had the same um agent at, at, at that time and now uh, me and my my dad and, and we went for food with uh, john terry and he, he bought me english shirt, uh, pair of boots um and obviously when i was 18 i was absolutely buzzing um so yeah no he was definitely a hero of mine growing up yeah even, I know.
0: Though, he,
1: even though he played for
0: your boys chelsea yeah i know uh, i must be honest i um I was introduced to John probably however many months ago and um, he said, I'm going to give you a call. I thought, oh, he won't. And then he did. And me being obviously a Chelsea fan, I thought, oh my God, I've gone completely into girl mode. And <laughs> I thought, I need to compose myself before I, I answer this call. But yeah, listen, that's a, that's a great answer, Ali. Um, okay. So best player you've ever played with?
1: Growing up here, it would be obviously Gareth Bell or Adam Lallana, Adam's special player. Um, yeah. One of them too. Yeah.
0: yeah. Adam Webster, we, we interviewed on the pod recently. He said, Adam is absolutely class. Yeah, yeah no, he's a yeah, really special player. Left foot, right foot. Yeah, really good. And the best player you've played against?
1: In terms of names? Yeah, so when I was there before, we played Man United in sort of 2008, 2009. They a strong team. Obviously Rooney, like, right at his peak. Um, Ryan Giggs. Um, wow. And we played, we played Ajax in a friendly. Suarez was up top.
0: So, yeah, probably one of them too. The best and favourite ground you've ever played at. It can be two different answers.
1: Um, I really like the two Sheffield stadiums, um, Bramall Lane and Hillsborough. Especially on like a Tuesday night, it's absolutely bouncing up there. Is it? So, yeah, I've right Yeah,
0: I've, I've been to Hillsborough. I've never been to Bramall Lane, but um, but I can tell you from the, from an away end's point of view, the atmosphere is electric. It was a long time ago. But no, great, great. Uh, I can imagine why you why you say that. Your your favourite manager. Definitely Keith Hill, someone that had a really good relationship at, at the
1: time and, and even still now, someone that I, that I trust. Um, so, yeah, definitely. The proudest moment of your career? It'd either would be playing for England at young level or the promotion at Rochdale. Um, yeah, just promotion brings really happy time. If you trip to Vegas and all that sort of stuff, it, it's a great couple of weeks after getting promoted, definitely.
0: And last but not least, what is the next... Big career achievement for you, Ollie, what is the, the next goal that you plan on trying to reach?
1: Uh, well yeah obviously this role hopefully can open some new doors. Um, currently doing a, a master's in sport and directorship so yeah definitely staying in football in some capacity, um, whether that's coaching or scouting or sport and directors something along them lines. Um, so yeah and no, I just still really love football, love the game so um,
0: hopefully it can, can still go mate that's class let's come back and talk property talk sport and property podcast sponsored by mph sports property academy download the app today from the app store or google play by typing in mph sports the trusted go-to app for sports people looking to buy or learn about property Holly, welcome back mate um so you and i actually met when i was asked by perry to do a uh, a workshop a crew he's um he's he's now at cardiff now isn't
1: he he is yeah yeah He's doing really well um, yeah great great player as well
0: yeah i remember going out for dinner with him he's got a lovely big crazy family around him as well but he's a, such a such a lovely lovely guy um but he, what i loved about him is that he was obviously a, a young captain of a of a an experienced side really and he was the one that reached out to me and said, listen, mate, I'm seeing what you're doing on Instagram. Would you come in and have a chat with the boys? I was like, yeah, sure. So we went out for dinner before and obviously I came in. I mean, it was good to meet so many players like yourself that day. Obviously, um, we stayed in touch and stuff. But um, did you enjoy it? Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, I've, I've always been interested in the sort of property side of life. And um, especially the changing of crew, likes of Perry and uh, Charlie Kirk and, the, and these younger boys, I, I, I thought... What you delivered was, was really really good for them especially and sort of opened their eyes up to and um, not to go off and spend five six hundred
0: pound on trainers but now actually put your money to work so i guess you've probably never experienced a workshop like that before or, or had you at different clubs or uh
1: the only thing i can sort of think about was when I was here before as a young lad yeah looking back they probably dodgy guys coming in about properties in like Marbella and Cyprus and Dubai um so it, I, I, I remember then the senior pros sort of looking with a sort of bit of uh, apprehension so yeah that's the only sort of property things I've, I've ever seen
0: I know so many people that end up buying property abroad and just lost so much money from it and you just think well, if I could have gone back and mentored them, guided them or at least that way just challenged them on that decision um I think they would have saved a fortune but um let's talk about you I mean when did you first uh, first buy a property Ollie and is that a property that you've subsequently kept
1: so I first bought my first flat in Southampton when I was 19 the way it worked then obviously after your two-year scholar you get a pro and they sort of give you a flat to live in but I remember speaking to Kelvin Davis as we mentioned earlier. He said, you know, take take that out, out of the contract and then ask for more money and then go and buy, buy um, a place yourself. So that's what I did. And the club were a, a little bit surprised at first, but um, yeah, it all worked out all right. And um, yeah, so I bought a, a two-bed flat into London City Centre.
0: And have you kept that? I sold it about three or four years ago. Did you need to sell it? Or did you did you feel like the, the, the time was right?
1: Yeah, so... I didn't really need to but obviously the um flat really increasing uh, increased in value um and where we are in manchester we wanted to buy and sort of renovate a house um so to get the cash out of that it was uh sort
0: of a perfect time and really at that time yeah so mrs lancashire saw some lovely fancy furniture and said the best thing to do is probably sell that let's release some money so i can really Dress this house yeah. up, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that sounds a bit more realistic. <laughs> yeah. well, have you bought any more property since? Um, yeah. when I signed
1: for Aldershot, obviously moving back home, yeah. Um, at that time, I thought, Oh, back home, let's just buy a base. Um, so I bought like a four bed family house, new build. Um, it wasn't brand new, but it was probably about five or six years old, yeah. even, you know, the new build. Uh, yeah, um. And um, yeah, obviously I only ended up living in it for about eight months um, and then my brother moved into it and, and paid me the rent for two or three years and then I rented it out for a little bit longer
0: and then I sold it as well about three or four years ago as well at the same time. Okay. So tell me about your property assets as of today. Do you have, obviously you've got your place in Manchester where your family live. Um, do you have any other form of investments? No, that's the only one I've got now. So,
1: like I said, when when we bought this house, I wanted to sort of extend it, renovate it. um, Yeah, I ended up sort of spending more than I thought. And um, it's it's worked out all right. We got a a small mortgage and a nice house. So hopefully in the next few years, I can look to sort of make make use of that um, uh,
0: equity and make it work for me well i'm going to be a bit more personal if you don't mind i mean what what sort of um, property did you buy and 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 when you say low mortgage what sort of equity would you say that you've got in the in your asset today
1: uh so equity wise I've probably got about four hundred thousand. yeah lovely um, so yeah we've got now we've just got a four bed similar to one that i had down south um but we yeah we obviously did a, some big works on it mm-hmm. Um, double saw extensions etc and pure you know, complete uh, renovations so as you know that build is to cost quite a bit of money these days so that um, no, is definitely a big job but it's one that we're really happy with it's, it's where our family are based it's probably somewhere we can see living for you know, quite
0: a while um, and that's obviously things happen down there So, has property investment ever interested you because it sounds like you've actually bought really well you know you bought really young at 19 years of age which I do so many workshops for under 23s. Not many do. Um, so, you know, uh, credit where credit's used there. Uh, you kept that for a number of, of years and, and obviously made quite a bit of money from that. You then came from going back up north. You came down back down south and bought another one in all shop with you. Again, you've recently sold. You've now got this family home with the best part of half a million pounds of equity sat in it. Um, have you not sat down with the boss and gone but listen maybe we should uh pull a little bit of this money out and reinvest it in some other investments
1: yeah obviously misses three kids it's sort of hard to find the time to sort of have that conversation i think it's something that we definitely will have but yeah the last four or five years have been really hectic sort of yeah. life so at the minute we're just sort of living how we are but i'm sure in, in the future definitely we will what we would say is I don't really have any real education when I bought them flats before and the house. So, when I was getting the sort of rent um, and then when I sold the houses, um, no one really told me uh, about the tax. Um, so, I ended up getting quite a large tax bill. So, yeah, if I was to do it, then obviously people like yourself. And-
0: yeah. And I guess this is, this is why education and learning is, is so important, isn't it? You know, and this is the reason why these 20-25 minute workshops we've just done one for Middlesbrough today uh, the feedback's been unbelievable you know and and just talking about the tax benefits of actually buying to a, a a property company as opposed to buying in your own name because as you say you've been slammed with a massive tax bill and and these can all be avoided if you know yeah definitely. you know um you played for eight different clubs moving around at times must have been a nightmare
1: yeah yeah well um, obviously Southampton to Walsall, I lived in Birmingham for two years there. So what did you do, did you rent or did you stay with a, a, a mate or f- Yeah, so I actually rented in Birmingham City Centre, obviously I was still young it was quite a vibrant place to live for the first year and then my missus moved up the second year, um, still renting and then obviously moving to all the shop where I bought and then Rochdale where um, first three years I, I rented and then even though I'm, I'm moved clubs to shrewsbury i stayed in the same area and um, it's only about well, it's about an hour and 20 from shrewsbury so we stayed in, in where we are there and that's when i bought um family house and since then um family had been based there and when i went to swindon um i was lucky enough that the club sought me out a place there to mm-hmm. live with the with, uh, with about three or four lads which was fun and yeah that's pretty much it i
0: know you said you haven't got any regrets in your playing career, which is great. You know, you can look back and go "Fantastic! I've got, you know, uh, a complete closure in where I went, of what I did, et cetera. Do you have any regrets with your investments or property decision-making, looking back as a mature 32-year-old professional now?
1: Yeah, probably. I'd probably still like to have the flat in Southampton, definitely. Um, yeah, obviously, it'd be a really nice investment to have. Um, but then at, at the same time, I'm really happy with the sort of renovation that we did on our house up there, um, and that cash probably helped do that. So, yeah, and then on, I still think on the grand scheme of things, at 32, I'm still pretty young um, to to sort of go again, um, more educated, and, and and yeah,
0: hopefully do it probably next time. No, it sounds like maybe you and I need to get together then. <laughs> Definitely out. <laughs> <Sure they are. laughs> Um look, I know you're a family man. I obviously follow you on social media. We've spoken bit about the last few years. Um does being a a husband and a dad play a a massive part in where you play and when you played full-time? And how is it how important is it to get settled from a residential point of view? Yes, it's definitely massive. I think as I mentioned before,
1: when I went to Swindon, I ended up moving on you know, and keeping the kids and the misses up in in the northwest, which I think in League One and League Two especially happens, you know, quite a lot. You know, people will be very surprised. You know, there's a lot of footballers living away from their wife and kids, mainly because of the sort of one and two year contracts. It's very difficult to take your kid out of school and and, and stuff like that. But yeah, obviously, I think at the higher end, when you can have the four or five year contracts, it it, it makes a big difference. Um, mm. Yeah,
0: I know you're at Southampton now, um, but when you were signing for a, a lower league club in comparison to Saints, um, would the club support you with you know maybe sort of finding a place to rent or maybe have that conversation with you thinking are you planning on buying here in the area? Um, looking back now, um, I
1: can't remember one club that's really had that conversation. I remember one time for Rochdale, so I didn't know Manchester or the Northwest at all. So it was literally a brief three-minute conversation after I signed the contract of asking him really where whereabouts I, whereabouts I should live. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just lived where, where he actually told me at that time. Um, obviously at a club like this it's completely different. There's a player care team that you know, look after all, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I think especially in, in League 1 and League 2 it's not something that I've ever experienced.
0: Yeah, but that's it. I mean, obviously at, at Southampton you know, you have a fantastic head of education in in Herndon, who I who I know personally, and you've got your player liaison. Is it Emma? She's still there? Yeah, player liaison. And, and those have got such massive roles with a new player arriving at the club and, and also their players' family like yours, you know, uh, wife and kids. But I find that obviously with clubs less fortunate not to be able to financially probably employ people to be in that position, they don't. So, Obviously, with players like yourself that have moved from Aldershot to Rochdale, um, planning that move is is is, is so important. And, and looking at your new role um, at, at Southampton, um, what experience are you looking to bring to the club and also to the players around you on the pitch? And I guess the key question here is also: Can property play a part in that?
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, as, as I mentioned earlier, about when I was their age and. Senior pros helping me so much. Calvin helping me with property. You know that it's, it's definitely my my job to help them. And um, there's definitely two or three that I've, I've talked about you already. So yeah, it's, that's definitely great to hear. Because it is a, definitely a short career. It doesn't feel like yesterday that I was in in um, their shoes. So um, it's definitely the younger you start, the better it is. And and hopefully the lads here can. Sort of whether it's property, or whether it's you know, stock, shares, or any any terms of any sort of investments, yeah, it would definitely helped them
0: come my age, definitely. Well, looking back, I mean, you you've worked with so many you know talented uh, players. I mean, have you seen players that have experienced a taste of life-changing money just completely and utterly spend it, blow it, waste it quite quickly?
1: Yeah, definitely. There's. there's I think football, it still has that sort of stigma of, you know, you have to keep up with, with the sort of next man, whether that's buying a big car or the wash bag, whatever it is. I, I, I think it is changing a little bit now, but yeah, there's, there still needs to be a lot of help, I think, um, to make these guys understand that one, it's a short career and, and two, you know, try and make that money work for you because um, it definitely soon runs out. And there's a lot of examples of you know, if it was with retiring and,
0: really struggling financially after football yeah well mate honestly I think your role is absolutely on point you know listen to some of the answers you know clearly you care clearly you're you've seen firsthand um how you can mentor and change the the next generation behind you I think the Southampton are going to get the best from you and I think you're going to get the best from the club and I, and I wish you every success and and um you know and and, and it's only going to uh, Inspire you as a as a as a as a dad for your children. I mean, how old how old are you all three now? I've got a seven, uh, four year old and two year old. Okay, are they showing any signs in football ability yet? uh
1: Yeah, yeah not too bad. Seven year old's yeah. all right. Um, four year old, my, my little girl is probably the best. She's got unbelievable. Love
0: ability. it. Um, so yeah, she's she probably showing the trend of most promise Love it. Well, listen, mate. You know, I'm big into girls football with my daughter. You know, I've been coaching her for the past sort of it's our fourth season now I mean honestly girls football is changing her into a girls football club ASAP and encourage it because she's amazing yeah, yeah. Um, well, she, you, your daughter will be amazing um, Ollie I can't thank you enough for coming on Talk Sport and Property mate it's always a pleasure um, we do need to get together soon I know Ian has kindly um, got in touch already to say listen we need to get you down to the club um, so I know we're thrashing out some dates at the minute so I'll hopefully come down and see you but Mate, thanks for all your support. You've always been very, very kind. Um, and um, and thanks again for, for coming on and sharing your experiences with us. No problem, Lee. Really enjoyed it, mate. Thank you, buddy. Oh. Top man. Thank you, mate. You've been listening to Talk Sport and Property. Visit the App Store and download the MPH Sports app today or keep up with us over on Instagram.